chapter number 41. And I don't know, Alfredo, this is becoming to look more like a work meeting for you. You got your fellow co-workers here with you, and so that's, that's awesome. And so I don't know if he said you guys had to come because he filled in for you one day or what, how that all worked out the first time. But I'm glad that worked out and good to see each of you tonight. Genesis chapter 41 is where we are. And we've been talking about Joseph. We're continuing there tonight. And we're going to talk about Joseph's Gentile bride tonight. And some, I'm going to point out some facts about his bride that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't. And we'll see where we get to tonight. But we're in Genesis chapter 41. Look down at verse number 45. Genesis 41 and verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. And if that, and if you don't like that, then you can say it better yourself, okay? I had someone one time come up to me after the service. That's not how you say it. It's said like this. I said, well, next time you can just say it, okay? That's fine. I hear people all the time that read the Bible. You, say, you wonder, why did God put all the names in the Bible? I think one reason is he loves to hear us the names we come up with when we read those names. I think he gets a little chuckle out of that sometimes. But I've heard tons of people read the Bible, different, different people that are great at reading the Scripture, and they say them differently. And so... But So I think that's pretty close to what it would have been. And we look at verse number 45 right after that. And he gave him to wife, Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of Un. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Something that doesn't get much mentioned through the life of Joseph is the fact that, pa that Pharaoh gave him a wife. We look at verse number 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. Is it interesting that he was 30 years old when this all started with him? When did Jesus' ministry start? How old was Jesus when his ministry began? 30. That's a sneak peek of next Wednesday night. You're going to have to watch online if you want more details, so that will be next Wednesday night. So remember, not here next Wednesday night, but online next Wednesday night, just because of the parking lot and me being gone. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll dive further into this. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for this passage of Scripture. I pray that you'd help us tonight, guide our thoughts, guide each of us tonight. And I know I love, I love Wednesday nights that we get to have all the kids in here with us. And I know the kids might not completely enjoy it, and the parents might not even enjoy it less than the kids do. And you know the hearts under behind that. But I love having everyone together in one room to hear the Word of God together. It's a blessing, and I'm thankful for it. Bless our time that we have. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so kids in the room, I mentioned it during prayer. I do love having you in here. I get you one time a week. The rest of the time you get all your fun classes. And I would think most of you would say the pastor's more fun than your teachers, right? No, we'll leave that one alone. Don't say anything there. And so just don't be, Lori, don't be a boring Larry on me tonight, okay? Is that the name of your, I was in, Lori, Lori started teaching the older kids on Sunday mornings. And I, I saw this thing and it said boring Larry. And it's this picture that I'm like, what in the world? And then William explained it to me right there. And so that's pretty good. I see those kids out there. They're out there playing outside, doing all sorts of fun things. So that's a good thing. 
The life of Joseph, we've gone quite a ways already so far. From where he is born, and he has these dreams to where he's taken, and his brothers want to kill him. Then they don't kill him, they just sell him into slavery. He ends up being sold into Egypt. He goes to Egypt, and then he's in the Potiphar's house. God is with him, and God raised him up in Potiphar's house to second in command. Then Potiphar's wife decides to lie about him and say that he tried to do some things that never happened. He ends up in jail. While he's in jail, the butler and the baker have dreams, and they need someone to interpret the dreams. Joseph does, and in prison, he moves up in prison as well. God was with him in all that he did. Last week, we saw that the, that the was it the baker or butler? My mind's blanking on me. And so let me look real quick. That way I don't say it wrong. But it was the... Um, which one? Wow. The, yeah, the baker died. The butler lived. That just shows you the importance of being the one who cooks the food. That's an important job. And so, but um, yeah, I've been all over the place today. It's been a long day today. And uh, I had a first. I had someone volunteer me for a funeral. And so that was fun. And so Katie volunteered me for a funeral. And so that was, you say, can you just volunteer someone to do a funeral? Not, she didn't volunteer me to die at the funeral, but I was there to do the funeral and things. And so... We, um, yeah, but what an opportunity, 75 people or so to hear the gospel, whatever was there, it was, it was good, and I enjoyed that, and so, but that was this afternoon, and then some other fun stuff, and so my brain is here, though, so yes, it was the, the baker that died, the butler forgot about Joseph, and Joseph ended up staying in prison two full years longer, then Pharaoh has a dream about the famine that's coming, and no one could interpret it in the land, but someone could. His name was Joseph, and God used Joseph to help Pharaoh. And we see that Joseph rises into s- to be second in command in all the land of Egypt. What a path. What a working of God's unseen hand in the life of Joseph. And so we see in our text tonight that immediately after Joseph is exalted to his new position of second in command in Egypt, He was given a bride. And soon after that, a family was born to Joseph, and this was all in Egypt. And so a lot of times what you'll see in Scripture, the Old Testament, I use this example often, and the older folks in the room know what I'm talking about. The kids in the room don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But you think back to old slides. My parents used to have a projector in those slides. Do you remember when missionaries used to have those? And you would sit in church, and you just hear the loud click, 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 click. And they were going to each different picture on the slide. And they didn't have the screens that came down or anything like that. They had the one they had to put up and everything else. Now we got TV screens in church. Amazing. But um, those little slides, those little slides you look real close at, you really can't see anything. You need the projector to blow it up so you can see what it's actually talking about. And that's how sometimes we read the Old Testament. We read sections of the Old Testament. We're like, I don't completely understand this. Then you get to the New Testament, it's like, oh, this is what this is talking about. You've got to understand the entire Bible, the theme of the entire Bible is Jesus Christ. Old, New Testament, everything, it's all about him. Like we could look as we're studying Joseph, he is a, ty- he's a picture, a type of Christ in the Old Testament. There are things that we see about him, him being sold, lots of things that we'll talk more about next Wednesday night. And you'll see there are a lot of things that he went through in his life. Was he Jesus? No. But there are things that he went through in his life that are a picture of things that Christ would go through. There are several examples, the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. 
I think of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau are twins. And you look at the, what's the scriptural picture behind Esau and Jacob? The flesh and the spirit. Esau represents the flesh. Jacob represents the spirit. The two war against one another. And sometime I'm probably going to do a whole series just on those two and let you see all those things. That's why Esau wanted food. He was concerned about the flesh. That's why he took wives of the women that his parents didn't. He wanted what was best for him. And we see that Jacob later on gets saved. He meets the Lord, and his life is changed forever. But Jacob and Esau are a great example of the flesh and the spirit. It's a picture of it. We think about Abraham. Abraham was a man. Abraham, you can see some comparisons and some pictures of him of like God the Father, similar. And his son, Isaac, was offered on Mount Moriah, where Calvary is. So Isaac is a good picture of Jesus Christ. But then you'll go from there and you'll see that Abraham had a servant. And this servant went out to find Isaac a bride. That servant pictures the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of people. That bride, Rebecca, represents believers that come to him. So there are so many, I go down so many different roads with all of that, but we can't tonight. But I want to dive in, I want to take you tonight and talk about Joseph's bride for a little bit of time. As you study the book of Genesis, there are three brides that stick out. That there are some pictures that we see from them. Number one, we think of the first one, Eve. Eve. Adam and Eve, right? I'm so glad it wasn't Adam and Steve. I'm glad it was Adam and Eve. We'll leave that there. But Eve, she is a picture of the creation of the church. And Adam was placed in a deep sleep, and God removed a rib from his side, and Eve was formed from his rib. The church was formed when Jesus died on the cross, and his side was literally opened up for us. We are a product of Christ's sacrificial love. So the first bride we think of, we think of Eve. Second one we think of is Rebecca. She's a picture of the calling of the church. Abraham's servant found her in a pagan land and called her to become the bride of Isaac. They basically said, I want you to come with me, and, I want, and this guy, you're going to marry this guy. Had she ever seen Isaac before? No. But she left her old life behind and set out with this servant. It was a long journey through, a, uh, through this land, but the servant encouraged her all the way along, and eventually that servant brought Rebekah to Isaac, and they were married at Isaac's house. The comparison. The church has been called out of a pagan land. The Holy Spirit came to us, to call us to Jesus. Have you ever seen Jesus before? No? But there's something that says you need to believe in him, right? So you trust in him. The Holy Spirit, like the servant with Rebecca, helps lead us through this crazy life, and the Spirit is leading us home to where Jesus is. You see the comparison there. So the third bride I want to talk about tonight is Joseph's 
bride, Asenath. Quite a name, right? And she is a picture of the coronation of the church. She became the bride of a man who was brought through a time of humiliation. Her husband was exalted. And what did she do to deserve to be exalted? Nothing. But she got exalted with her husband. She was brought out of obscurity and made to live in a fine palace. And as we look at this and as we dive deeper into the message tonight, I want you to look at Joseph's bride, Asenath, and see some comparisons and some information about her, what her name means, what her dad's name means. Did any of you, can anybody tell me those things tonight before we get going? I'm sure there's someone that could, but we don't, you, some of those things you just don't think a lot about. But I'm going to help you tonight, and though she's mentioned here in this one verse, two of her children become part of the 12 tribes of Israel, correct? Yeah, correct. So, let's dive in. Number one, as we look at Asenath tonight, we see her sinful past. We see her sinful past. You say, well, what do you mean by that? The woman Joseph received as his bride was named Asenath. You see that right there, right? The name Asenath, this is what it means. Belonging to the goddess Neith. Now you might say, well, who is the goddess Neith? I am so glad you asked me tonight. Neith was known as the mother earth of the delta. She was worshipped as the mother of the Egyptian gods Isis, Horus, and Oris. This goddess was known for as a source of all wisdom. The Egyptians believed that all, and they had tons of gods. Do I need to mention that and remind you of that? You remember how all the plagues in Egypt, God was letting Egypt know that he's the god of all gods. He attacked the water, there were frogs, all sorts of things. And basically he showed that all their gods meant nothing compared to him. But what they believed about this goddess Neith is that, that she would give counsel to all the other gods. She was big stuff. Asenath, Joseph's bride, was raised to worship a false pagan god. That's where her name comes from. And Asenath was the daughter, look at what it says here, verse 45. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, that name, we already said it. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. So Asenath was the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On. Do you know what Potiphera means? Given by the sun god. So it's another pagan thought here. On, also known as Helcopolis, was one of the important religious cities in Egypt. And in that city, since he was the priest of On, that city, that's where the temple to Rhea, the sun god, was. So Egypt is deep. In all of these things. I mean deep in paganness. And, and when we talk about Rhea, that god of theirs, their sun god, it was depicted as a great falcon wearing a golden disc as a crown. And so this temple was also housed, it had a sacred bull, bull that was worshipped by the Egyptians. And Pharaoh was believed to be the incarnation of the sun god, Rhea, 
and was worshipped as a god. So this is quite the background that Joseph's wife has. Her name, literally, as we just looked at a second ago, she belonged to the goddess Neith. That's what her name meant. Her dad was given by the sun god. He was priest in this wicked city. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? I don't think that Azanath knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at this time. She wasn't aware of God. And even if she had been, she probably wouldn't have cared much for him because of all the gods that they had there in Egypt. But something that's amazing is that God knew her. God had her to be Joseph's bride. And like her, you think about this, and when we think about these things, even in her lost condition, God was bringing her to a place to be Joseph's wife at some point. Her pagan past would be blotted out. I have no doubt if Joseph and everyone else around Joseph knew who Joseph's God was, I'm sure that Asenath found out who Joseph's God was very quickly. And when we think about that, we think about the next point there, letter B, we think about the fact that Asenath is a picture of lost humanity. Like her, every human being that is born into this world is born in the depths of spiritual darkness. We didn't know God. We deserved nothing from God but judgment and hell. Our condition is clear according to Ephesians chapter number 2, and I quote these verses often. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, and we go so far deep into that. But what you've got to rem remember tonight is, and when we think about this, just as Asenath was before she met Joseph, that's exactly how we were before we met Jesus. We're reminded of where we came from. If you're saved today, it's because God delivered you from your sins by his amazing grace. I think of Mephibosheth, and if you don't know the story behind Mephibosheth, you and I were wasting away in our Lodabar when the king of glory himself came and fetched us and brought us to eat at the king's table. Like Asenath in the story here, when we came to Jesus and were saved by grace, our sinful past was removed forever. You'll see there are many verses mentioned there. And aren't you grateful tonight for what the Lord's done? And for the fact that when he looks at you tonight, he doesn't see your wicked past. But as it says in Ephesians 5.27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We see the fact that Asenath, we see what her name meant, what her dad's name meant, where she was raised and all of these things. We see those that part of her, and we see her sinful past. But number two tonight, we see her special place. When Joseph came out of prison, he was elevated to the position of great power and great majesty there in Egypt. He was made to sit at Pharaoh's right hand. When Joseph was elevated, so was his bride. Asenath, she was from a prominent pagan family. She was the daughter of a well-known priest. 
But when she became the wife of Joseph, she finds herself the bride of the most powerful man in the land. What did she do to deserve this? Nothing. She didn't get this honor on her own. She had nothing to do with it. She was picked by Pharaoh to be Joseph's wife. In other words, there was no special merit in Asenath. She was merely the object of a sovereign choice. Nothing is said about what talent she might have had. Nothing said about her looks. Nothing said about anything. Just the fact that she got a good husband. In our world today, you go to a wedding, does anybody care about the groom? Or is it all about the bride? Everyone stops and pays attention when the bride comes in the door. Do you know in heaven it's going to be opposite of that? No one's going to care about the bride in heaven. We're not going to be concerned about. It's going to be all about the groom. It's going to be all about Jesus. And we kind of see that same thing here. What, what's so special about Asnath? Nothing is. Her man is the special one. And we see the parallels there and some thoughts there. And when we think of those things and let her be there, Asnath didn't achieve this honor on her own. In fact, she had nothing to do with it. We see letter, or number one, is it number one underneath there? Yes. That he, was eleva- that he elevated us by changing our lives. And you think about that for the Lord, what he did for us in our lives. And when we think about that tonight, and when we think about what happened in Asenath's life, you've got to understand something tonight, that every person who is saved by grace through faith was chosen by God. Am I wrong on that statement? Who chose Asenath to be Joseph's bride? Pharaoh did. You see some parallels there, some comparison you could make. There's no other explanation. God chose us in eternity past, and he's called us to come to salvation in him. And when he did this, we see that he elevated us by changing our lives. He did that how he gave us a new birth. He made us a new creature. Tonight, you are not who you used to be. You are a new creature in Christ. If you're saved tonight, you're a new creature in Christ. Yeah, you still deal with the old man. The old man's still around. But you're a new creature in Christ. You've been born again. Something has taken place and changed your life. And we think about, as we look at this a little bit deeper, not only that, but we see number two, that the Lord, he lifted us out of the muck and the mire of our sins and set us on a new path of holiness for the glory of God. Think about Psalm 40, some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise to our God, many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And when we think about those things, and we think about where Asnath came from, and how Joseph completely changed her life, this is what the Lord did for us. And the Lord did that by elevating us, by he changed our lives with the new birth. He lifted us out of the muck and the mire of our sins. Number three, he changed our lives and made us alive to the things of God. You see, before 
salvation, you didn't want to live for God. You had no desire for the things of God. None of us did. He quickened us. He made us alive. And we're alive to the things of God. You look at this world today. They are blinded to spiritual things. Those that don't know Christ, why are they blinded to spiritual things? Because they are not born again. Their spirit's not alive. How can they understand spiritual things? But you see, when we came to the Lord and when the Lord did the work that he did, this took place in our lives. We see next, number four, he gave us a new nature. Aren't you thankful for that new nature tonight? I'm thankful for that new nature. Second Peter 1, verse number 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Aren't you glad for the divine nature that we've got? That we can be partakers of that? Did we deserve any of these things? No. Did Asnath deserve anything she got? No. Next, number five. He lifted us out of the mess Adam left us and made it possible for us to live lives that are pleasing to God. You ever think about that? It is impossible for us to please God. But he made it possible that we could. He's worthy of praise tonight. He's done so much for us. And then number six, we see the fact that when we were saved, God put us in Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that? I am, for by, what does it say, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. We're in Jesus Christ. He lifted us up. He made us sit in heavenly places. You see tonight, our Savior, like Joseph, suffered a time of humiliation and rejection. He, our Savior died and descended into the grave, but He rose again and ascended into heaven and took up His place at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. And when we come to Him by faith, He lifts us out of our sins and causes us to sit with Him. You and I deserve nothing tonight. I was a dirty, wretched, wicked sinner. But today, according to the scripture, I sit in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, your past is gone and you enjoy the blessings, the power, the presence of God. What a blessing that is. We've looked tonight at Asna, some thoughts about her. We see her sinful past, her special place. And lastly, number three, we see her sovereign part. Now, it's interesting. The Bible tells us that Joseph has two children. Asnath bore Joseph two children. And these two boys were a special gift to Joseph from the Lord. And in Bible days, the meaning behind the names had great meaning to them. And it was very special. And look at, you see, first of all, that Joseph named his first boy Manasseh. 
This name means forgetting. And what Joseph is telling here is telling us that the Lord had allowed him to forget the trials he went through. After all that he went through. And Joseph had a second son. And his name is called Ephraim. And this name means twice fruitful. It shows us that Joseph's faith in the Lord hadn't wavered at all. And in spite of all that he endured, Joseph was still walking by faith. These two boys, they would grow up and become the heads of two of the tribes of Israel. Now you say there were 12 sons, and then he had two sons. That makes 14. How do you get 12 tribes out of 14? Joseph didn't get one, right? And then there's one other tribe that didn't get one. The tribe of Levi. They didn't get inheritance, right? Their inheritance was part of God's work and the things that they did. So the 12 tribes of Israel, you have 14 with Ephraim and Manasseh. You take Joseph and Levi out, and you have the 12 tribes. And when we look at this, the grace of God took a woman like Asenath out of the obscurity and made her part of God's sovereign plan for his chosen people. She was given a big part of the formation of the children of Israel, of the tribes. She had two of the twelve were her children. And she was named after a goddess, a false god, and her dad was a priest for a pagan god in Egypt. And she, so two-twelfths, one-sixth of the tribes of the children of Israel were her children. Again, as we look at this, this is a picture of the bride of Christ. The redeemed saint, you tonight, have been made a part of God's plan to bring the world to himself. You think about that. What do we think about that? We think about number one, that he saved us and called us to his service. Imagine that tonight. That he would take things like us and use us for his glory. That's what he's done. And not only that, number two, he's given us the gospel of grace to take to a lost and dying world. And he's commissioned us to take it to the ends of the earth. We are his bride. We're his masterpiece. We are his love letter to the world. We are a living, breathing, moving proof that God loves sinners. And we're commissioned and commanded to tell the lost about what the Lord's done. Life changed for Asenath forever when she was presented to Joseph. And I'm sure she never in a million years would have thought that she would be the wife of the prime minister of Egypt. She was given an honor above all others. Never in a million years would I have ever thought in my life that I would get to be part of the bride of Christ and that we get that privilege and honor. You should thank God and praise him 
for loving you enough to do what he did. Praise him for dying for you. Praise him for saving you and letting you do a part of his work today. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, he'll save you just like he saved everyone else sitting in this room. But it's an amazing thing, and I love seeing the parallels. And next week, if you tune in online, as I mentioned, we'll see so many between Jesus and Joseph. But do you see tonight, Asnath, who knew much about her? We still don't know a lot about her. But I'll tell you this, a lot changed for her when she met Joseph. And a lot changed for you and me the day we met Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. So thankful for the day that I got to meet Jesus. And that God worked it all out so I could. Think about that. What a blessing. How wonderful it is. Her life was changed forever and our life's changed forever. God's been so good to us. Father, I